0: stop this is the end of an era this is really upsetting we're leaving our podcast era behind hi chandra for the last time (laughs) hi everyone my name is callie
1: and i'm grant welcome back to our podcast big world small bites today is a sad day today is our last podcast episode in this space
0: We're graduating and saying goodbye to Susquehanna, but we aren't saying goodbye to sustainability.
1: Today, we'll answer questions from you all, our dedicated listeners.
0: We hope you're hungry, because we're going to be breaking down this big world into some small bites. All
1: right, everybody. So today, we're going to be answering questions from you all, our dedicated listeners, which we do this for. We have a list of some questions and we're going to we're going to try our best try best to answer them.
0: Yes, we are. So I have our list of questions and our first question comes from my mom, Ooh. who I might have forced to ask a question, but it's fine. <laughs> so she said, "What do you say to people who say there's no reason to recycle because it all ends up going to the same trash dump?"
1: Oh, okay. It's a great question. It's a great question. And I, and I think I'm sure we're both guilty of this. Whenever you have something that you think could maybe be recycled, right? Let's take a couple steps back here. Have you ever tried to just, like, make a pile of it or just wait or just recycle it because you hope that it gets recycled?
0: Yeah, it's wishful recycling.
1: I know, right? Because you feel bad. You don't want to throw it away. Right. But I, I read something once. Actually, I was told by Derek Martin. He <laughs> was going to say, sounds here.
0: like a Derek yeah, story. Yeah,
1: this is about to be a Derek story. And... We were putting up new recycling. So for our listeners that don't know, Susquehanna University has single stream recycling. But when we were putting up the single stream recycling system. He said to me, uh, when in doubt, throw it out. And that that was Mm. his expression for recycling. And because, kind of to, to your mom's question, if you put something in there that can spoil the load, can ruin the recycling bin, it actually can cause it to be thrown away. Right? So it's no secret that a lot of recycling does get thrown away. We have problems with recycling in the US. I don't have numbers in front of me, but I'm sure we throw away large amounts of recycling. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but, but there are a lot of items where it's very, very worth to recycle. For example, uh, while plastics break down, you have to add in new plastics to actually make like recycled plastic. And there's an argument that it takes more energy to recycle plastic than it does to just produce new plastic. That's a whole other issue. But for products like glass or really aluminum, you can recycle them almost indefinitely. Yeah. So if you have an aluminum cup, you have um, a soda can or something along those lines, if you recycle them, technically that could be used again and again and again and again. So it's about doing your part.
0: Yeah, it's about doing your part. And sometimes it's like very obvious that your recycling isn't going to go anywhere. Like some places have those separated trash bins where like if you look underneath them – They actually are just one trash bin with different holes for recycling. So they're just (laughs) like that's a situation where you're going to know that that's not necessarily actually going to get recycled. But, you know, things like pickup that you're paying for at your house, like that is much more likely to get recycled and go to. It will go to the dump, but it will go to the recycling center Mm -hmm. at the dump. Most of them are together. Um, So. Use your best judgment, I yeah. would say. If you're somewhere where it just doesn't – it seems like somebody put pizza in the recycling bin, like, yeah. then, you know, use your judgment on that one for sure. Yeah,
1: and, and I think a part of it is, is also just trying your best to get items that can be recycled. We all know it's very hard to, to avoid plastic, but if you can yeah. get something that's glass or aluminum and you can afford to do so, that's always a great, a great chance of upping the odds that it'll be reused or recycled. So – oh, and – Make sure when you're recycling something, you don't have to clean it out perfectly. So if you have a coffee cup, you know, you've drank all the coffee, there's maybe a couple specks in there, that's okay. But don't dump half of a Starbucks Mm Frappuccino in the recycling bin. Uh, If you have like a peanut butter jar, it doesn't have to be absolutely spotless. Right. Try to get some, you know, some of it out, but just don't, don't put a pizza box in there that's full of pizza or grease.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 At Starbucks, when I get refreshers, I always dump out the berries and the ice in the trash can and then throw out the recycle the other part because it's an easy thing. If something's way too hard to clean, it's okay to just throw it away. Yeah. Um, Like when I used to use like bottled shampoo and stuff, that would always drive me nuts because if I tried to clean it, it would just like get filled with soap. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I can't put this in the recycling bin. So that's why I switched to bar soap uh, and conditioner stuff like that, because. Which often I comes just, in cardboard. It, which you, you yeah, and mine, like, oh, yeah, mine wow. comes in compostable packaging. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's nice, but just because I don't. To me, that was like me feeling guilty. Like if yeah. that doesn't is isn't something that bothers you and you're not ready to take that hurdle yet. That's okay. But for me, it bothered me so much every time I went to throw it away because it was just, I couldn't imagine it getting recycled
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because there was just always soap in it that you couldn't get out. and. Yeah, the same yeah. thing with
1: detergent bottles sometimes. Yes. Right? They oh my get out super, super soapy. So uh, I recently tried to get the the sheets that you can put in. Oh yeah, like the uh, yeah, laundry, like the laundry sheets. sheets. Yeah, they come in just like a, a cardboard box you can recycle. Yeah. Did you like
0: them? <laughs> yeah, I thought
1: they were all right. They were from... Uh, Oh, what's, what's, the, what's the brand? Are they from Grove? That's what it is, the yeah. Grove Collaborative. Yeah. I've
0: been wanting to try those, too, because I, like, used Tide Pods for a while, which are, like, so bad for the environment. Yeah. But in college, it's, like, a lot easier to have Tide Pods. Um, but then they were exploding on my clothes, and I was afraid the laundry <laughs> sheets were going to explode on my clothes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. So that sometimes you have to test out different solutions, but they're there. I think the easier thing to do, like we were saying, is to avoid using those items. Yeah,
1: and... I think it's important to point out problems, especially with yeah. recycling, but it's also important to focus on what's working and the solution. Yeah. So I, I think, well, there's definitely problems with plastic recycling and spoiling the load. It happens all the time, right. even in a single stream system. People throw food and other things that shouldn't be in there. But in terms of other items, you have the aluminum, you have the glass. I think even paper and cardboard, to some extent, mm-hmm. uh, can be recycled, and then they're pretty effective, especially in the case of aluminum. So focus on what we can do you know push push the culture push society to aluminum and glass where things can be better recycled and we'll we'll see changes happen it's a great question
0: no that was a very good question don't lose hope mom and don't let your friends tell you that recycling doesn't matter yeah so our next question comes from chandra who is our lovely editor um who's done amazing work on all 10 of these episodes um She wants to know, if in Nemo, all of the drains end up in the ocean, how can we waste water? Because all the water gets reused. So first of all, if you don't know... The water does not go to the ocean, at least not immediately. Yeah. If we just flushed all of our water down to the ocean or to rivers, they would be very, very polluted and very, Wait, very so to dirty.
1: The, in Nemo, does that how Nemo gets into I the ocean?
0: Th- I yeah. guess. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I
1: think remember. that
0: might be how they free the other. And I don't know.
1: Okay. I,
0: all I know is that this is an ingrained an ingrained belief in Chandra's mind. Yes, nobody has ever thought (laughs) to tell her differently.
1: That's fair. And
0: she has also this is something else I think is important to say, is that she's told me that she's asked people before and they just go, Chandra. And then they don't tell her if she's right or wrong. Like they don't say it in like a they never explain it to her. So People be nice and explain environmental problems to yeah. each other. It's a Jeez. complicated
1: issue. It's a complicated – yeah. treating
0: water is like a huge issue because mm-hmm. the drinking water goes to a separate plant than the wastewater does Yeah, because the wastewater is probably not going to end up in your drinking water unless it ends up being like – Treated like an insane amount that would cost a lot of money not a very high-tech system.
1: Fun fact: If you have wastewater and you make it drinking water, I know I'm getting off tap, <laughs> Oftentimes, it, if you test the water, it's actually cleaner, cleaner yeah. than the drinking water because it's had
0: to go through so many different yeah. types of treatment. It's
1: really, really interesting.
0: Yeah, but they go to separate places typically. So the wastewater gets reused in like toilets and stuff like that. Yeah, and then your drinking water plant will reuse drinking water that's gone down sinks and things like that. And it separates out the solids, mm-hmm. like food and all. Also, like other things that go down drains yeah. and then it will also clean all of the bacteria that's in the water. Mm-hmm. And so from there, it tends to get sent back into the system. But also in some places with older drainage systems, I think you said Sealand's Grove is one of those. I, think I so, know Philadelphia yeah. has this problem as well, that the stormwater runoff drains are like, don't have a system in place for them to go to yeah. um, the treatment plants if it's overflowing. Instead, they just flush it out into rivers. So that's a situation in which the water is going straight to a natural system, and it's not, not safe at all. So yeah. that's, that's where water goes. But why should we conserve water? Well, the thing is, is that we don't have that much fresh water. on the planet. I think it's like 2% of the water. And then less than that is actually available to us. Most of it's in glaciers. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a lot of fresh water to begin with. And also a lot of it is being overused. Um, We're kind of depleting these aquifers that we have underground. um, And with less rainwater, with less snow runoff, it's just, there's just not that much water to go around. So you should conserve water and know the water that you use does not go to the ocean. Yeah. I'm sorry, Nemo. I don't even know if he does that or not in the movie. Maybe. Yeah, I, She's I, going to fact check us on this one and start yelling at us. My first escape landed on dental tools. I was aiming for the toilet. Toilet? All drains lead to the ocean, kid.
1: I know. Well, and that's also why you should... uh should think about some of the stuff you dump down your drain. Right. Think about how it oh can gosh. impact when, when the water's tested and treated. It, it can have an impact.
0: Yeah, it can make it really difficult. Like, please just don't dump chemicals down yeah. your drain or down the stormwater drain. Like, don't put Clorox bleach down the stormwater
1: yeah. drain. Please. Which, a- another shout out, I guess, to the Grove Collaborative. They have a lot of more eco-friendly cleaning mm-hmm. products that are still pretty effective, but are you have to Google it, you know, look in your area. But right. They're, they're probably easier to, to get rid of or clean out once you're done.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah you just you just gotta be careful with with your water and not waste it mm-hmm. because, like I said, we don't have that much of it, and mm-hmm. if you're thinking, I'm fine. She' was like, I, we have a well at home. It's fine. and I was like, You get well, you get your water from groundwater. That's not always gonna be there, yeah, <laughs> unless it we keep keeping the rain we are expected to get, but yeah, climate
1: well, if change. You couldn't tell I was a big fan. I'm a big fan of the taking the wastewater and making. I it can water. tell it's a really cool <laughs> system, but uh definitely needs to needs to catch on a little bit and then be made more cost efficient. but yeah, great.
0: just because I know that a lot of the plants don't go through like the tertiary, like the or the I don't know if it's past that or not, but it's like a special kind of treatment mm-hmm. that they would get with like UV rays and stuff like that. Yeah. But not all plants have that because it's just really expensive and it's just kind of considered extra but yeah. it would be kind of cool if and we could just It takes just reuse a lot of that. energy, but in the yeah. moment we
1: can make that large, largely renewable, it'd be a cool system, right? Like,
0: yeah. and that's the thing. All these things, like, if we could fix, if we had like solar panels connected to it, mm-hmm. and then that's the energy that it used, like, then it would it would be yeah. a wonderful, beautiful system yeah. that we're imagining
1: in the future. But it's another great question, Chandra. Chandra's the real MVP. She
0: is the real podcast. MVP of Thank this you, podcast. And then I've I have two more questions for us, but these are more personal questions.
1: Ooh, okay. Ooh. Right.
0: So these questions come from our listener Sid.
1: Ooh. Okay.
0: <laughs> and they want to know what is our favorite book about climate change.
1: Ooh. Okay. Callie, do you want to start? Have I put you on the spot. No, you start. <laughs> you want me to start? Okay. You took
0: a climate change narrative class this I semester, did, so I you did. start.
1: Well, okay, we mentioned this on the podcast before with our episode with Dr. Thomas Martin. Yes. But The Uninhabitable Earth mm-hmm. will always be up there for me as one of the greatest climate change books I've ever read.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't call it a favorite just because that book is very difficult to read. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say difficult because it's easy to read in it's terms complex, of though. the language, but it's just very upsetting because it's, yeah. it really goes through climate change for you.
1: Yeah, that, that yeah. that's fair. But to, to get to your point, I did take a climate change narratives class this semester, and I think there's two books that I really enjoyed. The first one was called Parable of the Sower. It's more of a apocalyptic, in some sense, mm-hmm. climate change novel, which a lot of climate change novels are, but it's a very good read. There's some, some key lessons in the book, and it, it tells it uh, as a fiction story, so it's not just this like nonfiction climate change novel, which The Uninhabitable Earth is. Right. This is a, a fiction story. It's very interesting. And then... Along with that, this is a complicated book to read, but um, Ministry for the Future. It's like, a, it came out in 2020, so there's there's parts of COVID in there. It, uh, it It's a long book. It's about 500, 530 pages, but it, it switches between uh, economic systems, political systems, and tells the story of a world, in t- starting in 2025, where climate change is getting worse. There's a heat wave in India. It kills like 20 million people. So it starts off in a, a pretty terrible scenario, but By the end of the book, instead of being apocalyptic, it shows using like real world organizations and institutions how we solve it or how we start solving climate
0: change. That's so cool.
1: It's complicated. If you start reading it, there's going to be a point where you're like, why am I doing this? (laughs) But it, it is a very, very good book. That's really funny.
0: My favorite would probably be All We Can Save, which is an anthology that's edited by Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson and Catherine K. Wilkinson. Um, so it's an anthology of essays written by women um, okay. in the like kind of climate activism sphere. So some mm. of them are like writers, some of them are more scientists, some of them are activists, and there's also poetry in there. And also, fun fact, our graduation speaker um, has a poem in here. No way! <laughs> yeah, she went to our university, and of course, no,
1: wow. I can't remember her name. Well, well, you look that up. Dr. Ayanna Elizabeth <clears throat> Johnson, uh, she was a part of a podcast called How to Save the Planet.
0: she was yes uh, I love her stuff (laughs) yeah
1: she was great great on that podcast so I doubt she's listening but if she is I'm a big fan as well it was a great podcast no like
0: she's literally amazing um she has a really good Ted talk too about like finding your niche in the climate sphere yeah, but also, fun fact. So, our graduation speaker, Catherine Pierce, who's a poet who graduated mm-hmm. from our university, um, she has a poem in there and it's like my favorite poem in the entire wow. collection. And then I found out, I didn't know she went to our school, I didn't read yeah. her bio or anything. And then I found out that she was coming here. I was like, why do I know that name? Like, why is her, <laughs> why is her name so familiar? It's because it's my favorite poem in the collection. Um, I think that. To your point about, like, fiction and stuff, like, not to brag and self-promote or anything, but my honors project was about using fiction
1: yes, um, and yes. storytelling
0: to talk about the climate crisis. And I did look at Parable of the Sower also because some people see that book as, like, a blueprint for our future of, like, what we could do in oh, terms cool. of like, the mutual aid in that book yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's interesting because... Like it's just it's not real, mm-hmm. but people are seeing it as something that could be real, yeah. which is really beneficial. And I'm um, a shameless plug. If you're really interested in fiction about the climate crisis, you should check out my honest project, yeah. which is available at RewildingOurStory.wordpress.com, <laughs> and you can read a bunch of different stories in there. So. Yeah. But I, reading I, about climate change is, I think, really important yeah. in all different genres that you're reading.
1: I mean, I, I, I'd i have to shout out Dr. Hubble for this take that yes, I'm about you to do. have but, uh, <laughs> this class. But I, I think before even taking this class, I never really read a lot of fiction books on climate change. Mm-hmm. I was one of the nerds that read the nonfiction type books. But I think even for myself, oftentimes when, when reading about climate change, it can get really complicated and complex yeah. and hard to understand. And, and I think fiction plays a key role because it can break down a lot of those ideas in a kind of a cool fantasy that mimics uh, right. like reality. And it, it teaches a really cool lessons. You still get the, the climate change idea and it's impactful, but in a fiction story, which which often makes it more fun to read.
0: Right. Well. It makes it more enjoyable, but you can still get things from it, Yeah, um, which is, like, just so important yeah. because, yeah. And people also just see that book specifically as, like, a scarily accurate, like, what – things are like right now and what Mm -hmm. they're becoming like so it's just interesting when authors can like have that foresight into the future i think it was written in like 2000 or something it's
1: older yeah oh it's older older than that
0: older than other like than yeah in comparison to like now for
1: the future was 2020
0: right 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 so
1: it's a fantastic book. And and if you, you don't want to just jump into the nonfiction literature on yeah. climate change, the fiction books are, are fantastic.
0: Yeah. So definitely a good mix of good things to read there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have one last question. That's a really good All right. wrapping things up question. So obviously right now we're here about to graduate mm-hmm. with our degrees in environmental studies and other things. But our listeners want to know how we both got interested in
1: sustainability. Ooh, so
0: a great yeah, a nice full circle question to close yes. out our season.
1: I started college all over the place. I started as a history secondary education major, <laughs> but before that I was going to go for physical therapy and then I switched it back to education, back to physical therapy and back to education. Uh, I took AP bio in high school cause I was determined I was gonna go for physical therapy. But uh, COVID hit after our, our freshman year here, and I lived in sealance Grove, and so for the listeners that maybe are outside of the area, Susquehanna is in Seals Grove, uh, Susquehanna University, and Derek Martin, the old sustainability coordinator, emailed me randomly because I lived in the area and was like, hey, we need somebody to work at the garden. Like, you live in the area, would you be interested? And I was like, I mean, sure, like, I have nothing going on. It's a garden. I went there, I started working at the garden, I, we donated literally hundreds of pounds of food i got more involved in environmentalism i I asked to join the office of sustainability i left education i added environmental studies i still like the history type type stuff but i I thought political science fit better i had a poli sci and from there it was just environmental action environmental policy got a lot more involved so I always have to give props to Derek Martin and that random cold call of an email. <laughs> um, I did a couple like straw campaigns my freshman year, like tried to reducing straw, So I was a little bit involved, but it was that cold call email in the garden that got me involved, absolutely. So shout out local gardens.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that, that's crazy. Yeah. So for me, I was in like seventh grade and that was the year in science where it was like about the environment. Wow, okay. We were learning all this stuff and I was just like, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? I was just annoyed. And then yeah. I was like, okay, I guess I have to. Like, it, was the, it wasn't was like yeah. I want to. I was just like, well, I guess I have to do that now. Yeah. And that was also a time when, like, in school, they were very much being like, all of you girls should go into STEM because they were like, women in STEM, which is awesome. Go women in STEM. I am not a woman in STEM, <laughs> but I was like, yes, yeah, science. I, I need to do it because no one else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I just like cared about it a lot, but I wasn't doing the kind of activism that we've been doing. And my first year, I um, the Office of Sustainability used to have these like working groups, so I was in the first year group, and so we had some like little events for campus. And then COVID happened, and Mm. that summer, Derek Martin again—shout out to Derek Martin, our old sustainability coordinator—we miss you. Fantastic, yeah. But he had this like summer sustainability boot camp thing over Zoom. Oh, okay. And I was like, I did it because I was like, oh, this is fun, and I want to learn more. And I was—I went into college as an environmental studies major. So I did that, and it was just, like, really fun because mm-hmm. it was some, like, faculty... Um, I think I did this as well. No, you did it because we were in one together yeah, once. Yeah. It was before we knew each other. That
1: was my garden time, so yes. I was in it,
0: yes. It was so funny. And so it was just, like, little, like, weekly different topics we learned about. It was really fun and relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, I, then I got a job in the office as well. And from there, it just kind of all took off. And yeah. my sophomore year, I also added a creative writing major after I realized that I was allowed to major in something that I liked for fun um but I didn't realize how those two things would come together we were just talking Mm -hmm. about my honors project and about the way that storytelling is important to climate change so somehow I found a way to actually put two things together that Mm -hmm. I enjoy and even though I felt like I had to do it in the beginning now I'm glad to do it and it's very fun so
1: and and I think if we can end on on a note here like both of our stories I think what it shows is the impact one person can have. yeah uh, yeah. We talk about it may seem really hard to change the world, but if you can change a neighbor or a friend's opinion. Uh, Derek Martin got me involved in climate change and in activism. He played a role in you as well, Callie. And yeah, now
0: we have a podcast. Yeah, and,
1: and, and we've done all <laughs> kinds of projects. So I, I think yeah. just just bringing up environmental action, maybe bringing a friend to a, a rally or a protest or even just like, canvassing for uh, signatures for a vote for something for solar in your area or something like that can really get somebody involved just taking them to your local garden and it can have long-lasting impacts so if there's one thing you take away from from this episode i think it's you can have an impact
0: yeah and that one thing that he did for both of us really like set into motion the fact that our school is going to have ev chargers yeah set in motion the divestment campaign that Mm -hmm. you led it set in motion yeah. yeah with morgan and it set in motion um some of the developments at the garden and just different things that we're actually able to do now and that we have accomplished. Mm -hmm. So that's also really exciting. So you could just change one person's life and they could just go out there and be able to do things because of you. So that could be you
1: listening. Absolutely. Absolutely. As we (laughs) we wrap up though, we should state the podcast is not ending.
0: Yeah, you're never getting rid of us.
1: Exactly. We have plans to, after graduation, continue the podcast. So stay tuned for another uh, future set of episodes. But this is just the last episode at Susquehanna. Yeah. It's been fantastic having everybody tune in and listen. We hope you've enjoyed. Yeah. And I guess one last time here. Stay tuned for some more Small Bites of This Big World.
0: Wow, that's so sad. I
1: know.